And then, so today is Freedom Conference. So this is actually session one of the Freedom Conference. And so you, you're, you're here at the Freedom Conference. You just thought you'd just come to church. No, you're, you're at Freedom Conference, which happens to be church, but church is Freedom Conference, and at church you should find freedom. But it, it, but it really is, the whole day builds upon itself, you know, and I really encourage you to come back at four o'clock because we're going to go even deeper into this subject matter. And uh, so uh, mark your calendars. Look, the Cowboys aren't winning. I'm just, just let it go, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm working through it. I'm praying through it. You know, I'm coming to that conclusion. The Cowboys, I mean, you know. Shift those things around and work. But here's what's the other thing that's really cool is that our children are also going to be having freedom uh, conference for them too. And so, so we get kids freedom conference and they're actually starting this morning in there. And then it'll carry on into this afternoon. And of course, the youth are invited to join the adults. Amen? Amen. So welcome to freedom conference. The title of today's message is freedom. Borderline want to do William Wallace, but I'm not going to yell right now. But, uh, but John eight thirty six says this, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's pray. Jesus, author of our freedom, I just ask that you just come and reign over this entire meeting, this entire gathering right now. Lord, teach us what freedom means. Teach us, Lord, what freedom is. But above all, lead us to freedom today, God. Lead us to the freedom that only you can give. We thank you, King Jesus, for your word. We thank you, King Jesus, for your life. Thank you, King Jesus, that you're alive today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. America, land of the free, right? At this Tuesday, November 3rd, we, we Americans exercise our freedom by voting, right? And so in, in today, our freedoms, as many have probably have said or thought, are, are under siege and and so no matter where you fall on the voting spectrum of all of this, here's what you need to do. You need to go vote and you need to go pray. Amen. Pray them, vote and pray and vote and just keep on praying, you know. Well, here's the thing. It is the concept and ideal of freedom that makes America the greatest country that the world's ever experienced. With all of our struggles and hypocrisies as the nation, this is still the greatest place in the world to live. Amen? But here's the thing. Freedom, while an American ideal, it is not originally an American idea. It is actually a kingdom value. Check this out. Abraham Lincoln credited Harriet Beecher Stowe for the grassroots work of the abolitionist movement through her writing of Uncle Tom's Cabin, and this is what she wrote. I wrote what I did because as a woman, as a mother, I was oppressed and brokenhearted. 
with the sorrows and injustice I saw because as a Christian, I felt the dishonor to Christianity. Stowe's brother said, really, in his view, it was the preaching of John Rankin and his sons who openly preached the gospel about how slavery was an abomination to God. William Wilberforce, who was part of the England's uh, parliament, he led the charge for, the freedom, for freedom for the slaves in England. But he was the typical politician until he came to Christ in the Methodist movement. It was his encounter with Jesus that gave him the boldness necessary to proclaim freedom to the captives. Can I just tell you this morning, Jesus Christ is the original freedom fighter. He is the original freedom warrior. Freedom is in Jesus alone. See, today, I believe this moment is really about a prophetic decree into the heavenlies. The freedom is really in Christ and no, no other place. He is the author and finisher of our freedom. People can say, I'm not a slave to sin simply because I don't have the big stuff going on in my life. I don't have the big sins. I don't have drugs. You know, I don't, I'm not doing the big stuff as we quantify things. Jews said the same thing. If your idea of freedom in Christ is I don't do drugs and I don't do bad stuff, then your concept of freedom is pretty shallow. You see, his freedom runs deep all the way to the place where it impacts the way that you think, the way that you feel, the way that you act, the way that you believe, the choices you make, and the joy and power you carry. Freedom runs deep. What if I told you that we all need freedom, myself included? We all need freedom. See, if I'm not perfectly reflecting and revealing heaven on earth, then I need freedom. The big Bible word for this is called sanctification. You start rooting junk out of your life. Is what a, that's what sanctification is. Get the junk out, right? See, the freer you get, the more you reflect Christ. And I want you to look how Jesus handled the Jews who were deceived on this particular issue. And it's right there in John chapter 8. John 8, 32. And this is what he says. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Are you kidding me? How can you say you will, you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So Jesus highlights two things that can make us a slave, and that's believing a lie and committing a sin. Who is the father of all lies? Come on, say it like you know it. 
So you filled in the blank. Way to go. Two things. Believing a lie and committing a sin. So what lie were the Jews believing in this moment? That they had never been in bondage. Their whole story is about being in bondage. You know, from Egypt forward. You know, they have been in bondage. And at that current time, they were under Roman occupation. We ain't in bondage to nobody. Are you blind? (laughs) You see that soldier just walked by and you just about had soiled yourself. You're in bondage. And sometimes we can be blind to even some of the bondages in our life. Wow. Ever believed a lie about yourself? What lie do you believe? Some of us might knowingly believe a lie right now about ourselves. But we just can't shake loose of it. And, and I would suggest also that there's a point in there where we are probably powerless to know what lies we are captive of until the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And I don't need a show of hands on this question, but uh, have you sinned recently? <laughs> well, let me think. Any of them recurring sins? See, sins are the products of the lies we believe. There is not a sin that you commit that's not attached to a lie. And so here, Satan's strategy starts to get exposed and lies and sin, binding our life, dragging us away to slavery. I don't need a show of hands, but have anybody ever struggled with irrational fear? Where you're like in a panic attack at night and somehow you find yourself, you manage to go to sleep and then you wake up the next morning and you go like, what the heck was I thinking? See, irrational fear will enslave us, but I'm telling you, irrational fear is powered by lies. Anybody have a sin that you don't think is that big of a deal? be enslaved we need freedom can I just be real for a moment about my own past you're like ooh this is getting juicy (laughs) I wasn't always the holy pastor reverend you know You just don't pop up this way, I'm telling you. I mean, this takes some work, you know. (laughs) I'm just. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was just funny to me. (laughs) But but I I really wanted to be open based upon the fact that if I'm open, hopefully that creates freedom for all, you know. And so from my teens, as young as probably 14 or 15 into my early 20s, I was in bondage big time to lust and all of the ugly stuff that comes along with it. And so 
And I knew all of those things was wrong, and I, and I followed the Lord with my whole heart, but yet was, I was divided. I tried to follow the Lord but I, in those areas, but I didn't know how life could be any different because I, I thought it could be different, but I didn't know how I was just stuck in a current reality. Anybody relate to that? And see, and that's part of the deception is that we don't know that life can be any different, but it really can be. You can see, in the, whenever you're stuck in something, you, and especially the things that are just recurring, you think, well, that's just how it is. I can't change. I mean, it's, this, this is my lot in life. I mean, whenever you hear a scripture like John 10.10, when Jesus says, I, I come to give you life and that you might have it to the full, and you go like, well, that's a happy thought, but it is so far removed from my reality. Am I talking to somebody? Okay, let me just be real again. The gospel is of little value to me unless I can live free from the power and pull of sin. In my everyday life, see, whenever I begin to taste freedom, then the gospel becomes the most valuable thing to me in my life because of its personal impact. And I think that that's one of the ways that God just so sovereignly works his way into our heart is because he visits us in the darkness of our soul, the darkness of our heart, and he drags us out by his love and his grace and establishes us in freedom. I remember part of my journey to freedom was a weekend retreat a little over 20 years ago. You know, I, it was in a moment of worship, kind of like what we were experiencing here this morning. Wasn't that pretty awesome? We were in this moment of worship, and the Holy Spirit just whispered to me. And in case you don't know, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you all the time, and, then, and you can't hear him. But he spoke to me in this moment of worship, and he said, Son, you worship your sin. And I go, no, no, I hate it. That, Lord, that's why I'm here. I'm here to get free of this stuff. <laughs> and then he spoke back to me. He says, son, you worship your sin because it's always before you. You see, it's kind of like having a love-hate relationship with sin. It's kind of like... Forgive the illustration, but it, this is funny to me. But it's like a bad girlfriend that, you, you know, you break up with, then you back in the relationship with. Then you break up, then you're back in. It's like, I love you, I hate you, but I can't live without you. Okay? So we get into this, like, love-hate relationship with sin. I can't live with you. I can't live without you. Either way, sin is the focus. And see, when it's always in front of me, even in misery, I'm still giving it power to shape and define my life. It becomes, in effect, an idol. And so here's a powerful truth. What I behold, I give control. What I behold will have all the control, whether good or bad. 
And I will show you how it works in the good right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 17. Now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Here's the concept. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. By the way, if you're a believer today, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and so all the freedom that you need is from the Holy Spirit. It's there. It's there. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then it says, I'm, as I behold Him as in a mirror, I'm getting transformed from glory to glory. What is that all about? It's kind of like this, that as I look and behold, I turn all of my focus to the Lord and I'm looking at Him, it's like looking in a mirror. And as I look at Him and I see Him in the mirror, I see Him, but I see me in Him. I see my new life in Him. And as I behold it, it begins to cut away all that is not Him. It starts to chop away. And all I am doing is looking at Him and I'm being transformed as I am beholding Him. That I'm exchanging the lies for the truth. And see, you know, as I embrace that truth, all of a sudden I find myself in a free state of being. How did you do that? I've been looking at Jesus. You know, that's way too simple. You don't know Jesus then. See, as I behold him, as I exalt him, as I worship him, and I give him power to define my life. If you can picture this for a moment, I'm going to set this over here to the side. For right now, let's just say this is an idol, okay? It looks like an idol, right? <laughs> but it's like I'm, I'm coming before this false idol. I'm looking at it. I'm loving it. I'm hating it. I'm angry at it. I want to throw it. I want to kick it, but I want to cuddle it when it's, I've hurt his feelings. You know, all of these things, but I'm beholding this idol. And even in my hatred of it, I still can't quite get away from it because I'm looking at it because I think it has all the power to influence my life from this point forward. How do I get rid of this? Well, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I hate you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. You know, it's always there. It's a love-hate relationship. But it's only whenever I turn my back and I begin to gaze upon the Lord and I allow as I behold Him, then I give Him all of the right to define me. I give Him all of the right to shape me that who I am in Jesus is way more powerful than anything that I could have done over there. And so this falls off because I stopped looking at it. Repentance is that I turn and go another way. We get trapped over here thinking we can fix ourselves. If I just try a little harder. 
whenever I counsel with guys on sexual issues, I always tell them this phrase right here. You will give your passion to the Lord or to your loins. If you want to win the battle against lust, learn to pray. Learn to worship. Because whatever you behold will define you, refine you. So what do we need to be looking at? 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and verse 24, those two verses. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. What if, instead of looking at our spiritual report cards, we started looking at the cross? As I prayed over this, I just heard the Holy Spirit ringing in my ears. He just kept going, the cross, the cross, the cross. It was at the cross we were born again. New life, new destiny, new day. And when we forget that kind of thing, we get entrenched into other things that we don't need to be in. But I want to tell you, if you're entrenched today, the same answer that began your journey is still the same answer. The way in is the way on. I got free. I was born again by looking at a cross and I will maintain my freedom. I will enjoy my freedom. I'll go to new depths of freedom by looking at the cross because at the cross, everything I could ever need was purchased. Woo. See, the cross of Christ doesn't have enough power to set you free and to keep you free. As a preacher, of course, I know that it does. But for you in your everyday life, do you know that it has enough power to set you free, keep you free, and keep on setting you free? How many of you ever noticed that some sins fall off easy and others are a challenge? What's up with that? You know what I mean? On June 6, 1944, it was the day that we stormed the beaches of Normandy. Eisenhower, General Eisenhower, knew that if we were to win the beaches of Normandy, then in effect we'd already won the war. Even though the war was going to last several months longer. So... D-Day, when they won D-Day, they knew victory was going to happen. But in order to get to V-E-Day, which was victory in Europe, okay, the, the time frame between D-Day and V-E-Day, victory in Europe, the war is over, they knew that that would be some of the bloodiest battles between D-Day and V-E-Day. When you came to Christ, it was your D-Day. 
Man, you were completely set free, 100%. It was a finished work of God. You became a child of God. You have full rights and access to the Father. No one can take that from you. No one can snatch you out of the hand of the Father. The old you is dead, and the new you is alive in Christ. All is yours on that day. Day one. And then walking out your freedom... Increasing in freedom, renewing your mind, changing the way that you think, establishing your heart in truth, trying to obey, moving towards your VE day is some of the bloodiest battles that you will fight. But I want to tell you all of the power that you need to win on that day comes from that day 2,000 years ago on a hill called Golgotha, that all of the power, all of the wisdom that you would ever need is summed up in the power of the cross. Woo, setting you free, man. It's always the answer. Well, surely, Pastor, there should be something a bit more advanced for me. How do you know who was crucified? The Son of God. John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The biggest obstacle that Satan puts in front of the followers of Christ or anybody is a lie. Why would he use a lie? Because he can't face the real you. Why does he use a lie? He uses a lie because he knows that it will disempower you. If he can get you to believe a lie, he's created a roadblock for you. He creates a roadblock to the freedom that Jesus freely offers. And so what happens is, is pain, sorrow, sin, failures, the storms of life, they keep happening, don't they? Sorrow, stuff keeps happening. It didn't stop because you became a Christian. Somebody told me, oh, I don't know if I can go to church because uh, I've been hurt in church before. You know what I wanted to tell them? All of my hurts have been in church. All of them. I'm still here, baby. You know what I mean? But see, life keeps happening. It keeps happening, doesn't it? But what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take all of those events, twist them, malign them, get you to believe a lie, and disconnect you from the source of God's life. He can take one horrible event in your life and sow a lie. Something like God is angry with you. God has abandoned you. If God were real, why did this happen? If God heals people, then why didn't he heal this one? If, see, these deceptions, these lies, all of them feel true, don't they? And then we give pain the right to inform and empower the lie. Don't we? But there's healing in him. There's restoration in him for all things in all situations. 
This is what happens when we believe a lie. Ephesians 4, 27. And I know I'm going fast from scriptures, but they should all be on the screen. Ephesians 4, 27 in the NIV, it reads this way. And do not give the devil a foothold. Paul was actually giving instruction to the church. Do not give the devil a foothold, meaning Christians can open the door to the enemy in their life and give him a foothold. Christians can. A foothold means that his foot has been established and he's gained entrance. And we're going to talk more about that tonight, and I encourage you to come and be a part of that. But that foothold... It, okay, so me and my kids, we wrestle and play and do a lot of stupid stuff at home, okay? But like, and sometimes we're running in and out of rooms and that sort of thing, and so we're chasing them into the room. And so, and we're like, and I'll try to catch them into the room, and they're like all braced up the door and all that. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? We're kind of scuffling and wrestling around, and I can push that door open, and I can plant my foot, and I can rest my arms. And they can fight on the other side, but I got my foot planted. And they're all going, you know, they're pushing as hard as they can, but it's not budging because I got my foot planted. How many of you know, parents know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's, that's a foothold. They were messing with me, and I pushed just hard enough to get my foot in, and that's all I need. So how does... The enemy get a, a foothold access. Well, I'm going to give you one simple one. And it's just the verse before. There's many ways that he can gain a foothold, but I'm going to give you the most common one. I believe it's the most common one. Verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Unresolved anger carried through the seasons of your life, invite demonic torment. Unresolved anger, unforgiveness, invites Satan's foothold. And that can be anything. I mean, it can be... When people sin against you, your family hurts you, people walk away from God, people falsely accuse you. When we carry unresolved anger, that's the easiest way to invite demonic torment into your life. How do we deal with that? We got to go back to the cross. I want to close by giving you this illustration which I kind of call the parable of our lives or the box. <laughs> and so what you see on here, alcoholism, Depression, drugs, well, performance, lust and porn, anger and control. 
So here's the parable. A young man grew up in a family where his dad practiced alcoholism. And as time rocked along, as his dad's alcoholism was taking over his life, he became a very angry and controlling man. But this young man, not able to deal with his dad's anger, eventually turned to a life of drugs and eventually lust and pornography. But by some miracle, he comes to Christ. He, he meets a friend and, and he starts going to church. And while all of this stuff is going on in his life with his family and all of these different things, he miraculously comes to Christ and he experiences freedom like he never known. And the church brought him in and began to love him and love him and love him. And he's like, man, I, I got this. I think I can do this. And he grows up and he gets married. But, you know, life begins to happen and, and things start to happen. And he gets a job and all of a sudden he just becomes this crazy performer. He's just performing all the time. Doing whatever he can to gain people's approval. But in time, that performance began to wear on him. And he becomes this angry, controlling man. And as he becomes this angry, controlling man, his wife begins to withdraw from him, and they don't connect any longer. And so the next thing he knows is he's back to lust and pornography. And whenever that wasn't enough... Next thing you know, he finds himself in alcoholism. And because drugs was a part of his recent past, because the alcoholism wasn't enough, then he's back, back to drugs. And you see, the thing with this, and all, all the while carrying massive amounts of depression. Now, the thing about this is that this is what you could see on the outside. But if we were to get a glimpse as to what was happening on the inside, you see, people in town would just say, oh, he's just, he just fell from the Lord. He was just a pretender. He was a fake. It wasn't ever real. He didn't really make a profession of faith. I mean, he just, you know, life fell apart and he just gave in and, you know, we just see surface issues, and we don't really see what's going on into the deep. These, these ropes right here, these bindings, what holds it all together, by the way, are the lies he believes. It's the lies that was given its power. But as if we could look beyond the lies and beyond all of the things that are on the outward appearance... If we could follow the lies, we see that it's tied to something else. It's tied to something that's deeper, more than what meets the eye. And so as we dig deeper, I 
beyond the shell, we see unforgiveness. In this young man's life, he's just been so angry with his dad, he hasn't ever forgiven him. And his mother didn't show him the love that he wanted, and so rejection started shaping and empowering his life. And he was afraid of not measuring up, and so fear was defining him, was defining his whole life existence. And all of the multiple hurts that happened all along the way. Eventually gave way to bitterness. Filled with judgments. And that's what happens when we look deeper. Beyond surface issues, get down to deeper issues, all of which have their hold because of a lie. The Holy Spirit can expose a lie bring you the truth, and freedom can come. But you know what God is really after? As we unbind all of these bindings, get rid of all of the lies, this is what He's after. When your heart is set free. You see, that's why Satan fills our lives with lies. This is why he puts, uses all of these things. He uses the story of our life to put you in bondage. He causes us to interpret life from his vantage point rather than from Jesus' vantage point. A heart set free is something that Satan cannot deal with. He is actually terrified of you coming to this place in your life. But I want you to know there's no performing to get here. There's no jumping through hoops to get here. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen? How many of you would say, I don't want some of that? Come back to the Freedom Conference. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, there, there are some things that at times that have hold of us, and we don't know the depths of it we, until, we, until we dive in and until we kind of begin, like, we really take time and invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak. We, it's really sometimes something that we need to spend some time with. And I'm, all I'm asking is, is if, if this speaks to you, to commit this afternoon or this evening to come because I really believe it will be well worth your time. Amen. So let's all stand.